Good morning and welcome. My name is Helen Cook. I'm a retired minister in the Presbytery of Stirling and it's my privilege and my pleasure to welcome you this morning and to share in worship with you. Our call to worship are two verses from Ephesians chapter 5. So you should be imitators of God, like dear children. Conduct yourselves in love, just as the Messiah loved us and gave himself for us. Let us pray. We thank you, living God, that in pleasure and pain, in triumph and tragedy, hope and fear, health and illness, in new births and final farewells, you have been with us. You have led us through ups and downs, highs and lows, always held in your never-changing love and presence. Merciful God, forgive us when we turn from you, when we despair and forget your promises, and help us always to step into the future with hope, trusting your presence with us, whatever we might have to face. Help us in all we do and say to bring your love and compassion to those whom we meet or hear about on the way. Gracious God, keep in our questioning and sometimes confused hearts these wonderful words. The word became a human being, full of grace and truth, and lived among us. May he who came 2,000 years ago gently lead us in your ways listening to the cries of the wounded in our world, helping to bear their burdens, rekindling the wonder of your love in our hearts, that we may be renewed as your people, always moving forward in Jesus' name. We pray these words in his name, who walks with us always, and we share together now in the words he gave us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning, everyone. The first reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, to chapter 5, verse 2. And do not make God's Holy Spirit sad, for the Spirit is God's mark of ownership on you, a guarantee that the day will come when God will set you free. Get rid of all bitterness, passion and anger, no more shouting or insults, no more hateful feelings of any sort. Instead, be kind and tender-hearted to one another and forgive one another as God has forgiven you through Christ. Since you are God's dear children, you must try to be like him. Your life must be controlled by love, just as Christ loved us and gave his life for us as a sweet-smelling offering and sacrifice that pleases God. And the second reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 5, and that's verses 38 to 48. 
You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But now I tell you, do not take revenge on someone who wrongs you. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, let him slap your left cheek too. And if someone takes you to court to sue you for your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if one of the occupation troops forces you to carry his pack one kilometre, carry it two kilometres. When someone asks you for something, give it to him. When someone wants to borrow something, lend it to him. You have heard that it was said, love your friends, hate your enemies. But now I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may become the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun to shine on bad and good people alike, and gives rain to those who do good and to those who do evil. Why should God reward you if you love only the people who love you? Even the tax collectors do that. And if you speak only to your friends, have you done anything out of the ordinary? Even the pagans do that. You must be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Amen, and may God bless these readings from his holy word. May the words that I say and the thoughts and feelings of our hearts and minds be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So you should be imitators of God, writes the writer to the church in Ephesus. Like dear children, conduct yourselves in love, just as the Messiah loved us and gave himself for us. I wonder if any of you can remember the programme called Braden's Beat. It was on TV an awful long time ago, maybe even before colour television, I think. And it was one of the first magazine type programmes. I was a young teenager then and often watched it with other members of our family. Towards the end of this programme each week, a very skilled young man interviewed small children aged maybe five or six years old. And they talked with him about their lives, about school, about home and family, about what they did or didn't like. And what was fascinating and very entertaining was that quite unconsciously in how the children spoke, in how they moved about, in what their expressions and gestures were, they seemed to be showing us aspects of their parents in a wagging finger, in a shrug of the shoulders, a severe look or a self-conscious laugh. It was not unrealistic for us to imagine what their parents might be like or perhaps their teacher. Children are great imitators and this is a very important thing in how they learn. I always thought that parents night at school were not just for us to hear how our children are doing but also to give the teachers a chance to meet the parents and see what they were like and how they might influence for better or for worse the pupils they had. Of course we don't stop imitating others. Whatever group we belong to work-wise or socially we will still be imitating not always to our benefit. When we may disagree with what views are held by most people who belong to an important group in our lives, we're more likely to keep our personal views to ourselves, wouldn't you think? 
That's the power of groups, isn't it? And the fear of exclusion from the group that many members have. Perhaps the writer to the church in Ephesus wrote these words, so you should be imitators of God, like dear children, conduct yourselves in love just as the Messiah loved us and gave himself for us. Perhaps he wrote these words because he knew how difficult it would be for these young Christians, not just young in age, but early Christians in the early church to break free from their past lives and to live and to witness openly to their newfound faith in Jesus Christ. Going to church and openly being Christian seems superficially easier for us than it was in Ephesus for them so many, many years ago. But in reality, and I think the pandemic has shown us this, the church is very much a sideshow for many, many people today. And yet in the pandemic, church people, Christians have continued to support food banks, to offer support at times of illness and bereavement, to check on the vulnerable and the anxious. And so have been witnessing to God's love and mercy in many ways. But the futures of many congregations are now uncertain. Yet how we imitate Jesus in our individual and our shared lives will be crucial for the impact of Christianity for good in the future. How do you think we are called to live to imitate Jesus in our lives? There's no shortage of people who have been influenced by the life and words of Jesus the stories he told, the careful way he healed many people of all ages, the lives he changed on his way on earth, his confrontations with injustice, with hypocrisy, his teachings, all these things have influenced people in every generation. Some of the greatest challenges Jesus gave his followers lie in the body of teaching known as the Sermon on the Mount. Many important people have cited these teachings as having an enormous influence on them. People like the former Archbishop John Centineu, people like Martin Luther King, like Gandhi, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Mother Teresa, many people and each of them have acknowledged the Sermon on the Mount as being a desirable blueprint for the ways in which we as Christians should live. So to help us ground in reality what it might mean for us to imitate Jesus in our daily lives, I've chosen our reading from the Sermon of the Mount from Matthew 5 verses 38 to 48. I wonder if you would agree with the commentator Tom Wright who says this about these verses, Jesus offers a new sort of justice, a creative, healing, restorative justice. No vengeance at all, but rather a creative way forward, reflecting the astonishing, patient love of Jesus himself, who wants his people to shine their light into the world so that all people will see that he is the one true God and that his deepest nature is overflowing love. No other God encourages people to behave in a way like this. Interesting words. 
The people listening to Jesus' words so long ago would have been only too aware of the reality of the pictures painted by his words in the Sermon on the Mount. Today's passage. Well, the people then knew the standard of justice, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It may sound rather barbaric to us, but it was there to keep vengeance proportionate and to save lives. Jesus said, don't resist evil with violence, find a better way. What a challenge that is. These words of his have influenced individuals to work for reforms to our justice and penal systems, to working conditions, to education. It's almost certain the next bit of the passage, which talks about being struck on the cheek, it's almost certain that to be hit on the cheek, especially by the back of someone's hand, was an insult as much as a violent act. Why then would you offer the other cheek too? Perhaps to prevent the escalation of violence, as Jesus did when he told Peter to put up his sword in the Garden of Gethsemane after he'd cut the ear of the centurion's servant. It wasn't unusual for people when Jesus was on earth to be sued when they couldn't pay a bill or fulfil a financial commitment. When they were poor and had nothing but the clothes they stood up in, which would be an outer garment and a tunic-like shirt and a loincloth. It was only the shirt was taken for payment of their debt. Jesus suggests offering them also your outer garment and so make a statement about what was happening by standing there in your loincloth. It seems then that Jesus is calling out the rich who don't care about poverty but used the justice system to impoverish the poor further. The third story in this passage he uses would doubtless be a well-known situation which all his listeners might find themselves in. When any Roman soldier wanted to, he could commandeer anyone to carry his pack for a mile, regardless of whatever plans that ordinary citizen might have had. The distance was limited by decree, so perhaps by going the second mile, you'd be making a point of being free to choose, or simply you're witnessing to a God who is generous beyond our deserving. So these examples in today's passage offered by Jesus came after his teaching about how listeners to him could be light to unbelievers, could be salt or leaven within their society. And they also seem to suggest that whatever difficult situation we find ourselves in, there's usually a better way to deal with it, better than violence or better than being defined by the situation as worthless. None of us are worthless in God's eyes, including those whose behaviour might goad or belittle us. Does this teaching seem rather impossible to us? How can we imitate God if this is what we're called to do, to reflect his generosity and love, despite 
or when confronting injustice or personal loss, provocation and violence. Interestingly, we're not called in these examples that Jesus gives to passivity, to dumb acceptance. Instead, we're called to new creative ways of changing what happens for the better. Like many people, I've been moved by the Sermon on the Mount. I've been challenged in my Christianity. I've been doubtful, very doubtful about my ability to live as I should. But thankfully, Jesus didn't offer just words and impossible standards and idealism to take into normal living. Instead, he offered himself. He lived and died by the blueprint in these teachings. He asked nothing of us, which he didn't live himself. Read again the stories of the Gospels and walk with him all the way to his death and resurrection. And we'll see it's not just about how we behave. It's about meeting with him, getting to know him, learning to imitate him, becoming like him. And as the writer to the Ephesians wrote, learning to conduct ourselves in love, just as Jesus loves us and gave himself for us. Let us step into the future, knowing that we can be lights in our world and salt and leaven to change it. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you humbly bearing our faults and transgressions in submission to your forgiving grace. Bear with us when we stumble and behave foolishly. Your word has sometimes remained closed to us, gathering dust when we are most in need of its comfort and direction. We have been guilty of harsh words when words of support or encouragement were required. We have misused the time you have given us, pursuing our own desires instead of seeking the path you want for us. We are forgetful of loving our neighbours and following the example Jesus set for us. Lord, you have given us such bounty in land and sea, and yet we seem unable to share it justly with other peoples. Forgive us our greed and give us your wisdom to inhabit the world you tasked us to manage with justice and compassion. Heavenly Father, we come to offer thanks for the blessings that we enjoy, for the many seen and unseen people who contribute to our daily lives, for those who grow and prepare our nutritional needs, develop and maintain our energy supplies and transport systems, the armed forces and police who work to keep us safe and protected. Lord, we are grateful for the array of carers who help and support us, doctors and medical personnel who work to heal and assist us in times of ill health,
and those who develop medicines and vaccines to fight disease. We pray for those in our community who are finding life difficult at this time, suffering from isolation, anxiety, grief and all forms of abuse or addiction. May you fill them with your grace and comfort. Father, we bring before you our own loved ones. You know them all intimately and their own personal circumstances. Fill them with your love, healing and encouragement. Almighty God, we thank you for the gift of your word, a lamp for our feet and a light for our path, and for the example set by your Son, Jesus Christ. These are gifts beyond all measure. Enable us to sing the praises of your mercy and loving kindness so that our eyes will be focused on you and we may continue to walk in your ways. God, in your loving purpose, answer our prayers and fulfil our hopes, for we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us go peacefully and joyfully to serve the Lord. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in us and upon us today and always. Amen.